Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. It may look like I'm flying solo today because I, I gave my trusty co-pilot, Spencer Holbrook, the uh, day off. But in fact, I've got two other co-pilots coming in uh, to kind of spell me as this flight uh, continues, as Ohio State continues its season, as the college football world keeps spinning uh, and boy, some guys are flying out of it as we speak, as you well know by now. For example, uh, two weeks after Ohio State devastated Wisconsin, and then a day after uh, former Wisconsin coach Brett Bielema took uh, Illinois in and devastated Wisconsin, Paul Christ is out as the Wisconsin head football coach. Things move rapidly in this high-paying, high-paced world that is major college sports now, especially major college football. And I'm going to get into that with one of my, uh, with one of my fill-in co-pilots, Jack Ebling, in a little while. Uh, he's been around Michigan State and the Big Ten for 50 years now, has a great uh, radio show up in the East Lansing area, services all of uh, Central Michigan, and uh, has written books, uh, was a former newspaper writer, so I hold him in even higher esteem <laughs> in that regard of uh, keeping his ear to the ground and knowing what's going on and telling he's going to tell us about, you know, what's going on with the uh, with the uh, great turn sour start by Michigan State this year. Uh, really a team that kind of, kind of seem, can't seem to get out of its own way anymore. And of course, Ohio State is headed up there this Saturday for a 4 p.m. start uh, to maybe add to more woes from Mel Tucker and this and that Michigan State team. But before that, as you all know, Mayan Williams kind of jumped into the Ohio State record book this past week. He got the start for a uh, a banged up or a Travion Henderson seems to be dealing with a problem with one of his feet. And uh, in pregame warmups, Travion Henderson couldn't answer the bell. So the Buckeyes, as Ohio State offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson refers to him, uh, turned to another of their cowbells or bell cows, excuse me, uh, you follow that uh, cowbell that when Mayan Williams is wearing it, but Mayan Williams, uh, all he did was deliver 189 yards rushing a career high, but along the way tied Keith Byers and Pete Johnson with five rushing touchdowns in a single game. Uh, those are the only two uh, Buckeyes who had done it before Mayan Williams. And as you'll hear in a, in a few seconds, uh, Keith Byers, is is willingly welcoming Mayan Williams into that club. And uh, as I joke with Keith Byers, you know, and have done so with Eddie George, et cetera, man, these new whippersnappers just keep coming along, clawing away at those records these guys set years ago. You know, but without further ado, let's get to my conversation uh, with Keith Byers, the man who probably should have won the 1984 Heisman Trophy and is still one of my favorite Buckeyes. Hey, Keith Byers, welcome back to the Tim May Podcast, my man. Good to be here with you tonight, Tim. Yeah, dude, I'm, 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 you know, I'm happy for you and I'm feeling for you, man. These these young whippersnappers, they keep chiseling away <laughs> at you and Eddie George's records and Archie's records, and uh, uh, but I guess I guess if uh, you had you had part of that uh, five touchdown rushing in a game record uh, along with Pete Johnson back Pete Johnson in 1974, I think against North Carolina, and of course you with that memorable game, ridiculous game uh, in 1984. And the great comeback win against Illinois, he scored five times. I remember writing that story like it was yesterday, uh, 274 yards rushing, a school record, single-game record at that time. Right. <laughs> and uh, exactly. five touchdowns. 38 remember, years ago. Yeah. But I remember writing, uh, you know, after the after the first 271 yards, you uh, 
you gained those last three were easy, you know, for that last touchdown. It put yeah. you guys ahead. But uh, what's it like? What's it like, number one, uh, you know, seeing a record, seeing a record at least staying that long? And, of course, that record's not gone. Mayan Williams only tied it the other night. Yeah. But uh, what, did it, what did it just mean to you to, to see something like that kind of just stand the test of time, so to speak? You know, it, 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 it's, you know, you sit back and think about it. You know, when Pete, you know, said at first, Pete Johnson, you know, did it in 1974. So the record, you know, stood for 10 years. And then I come along in 84, yeah. you know, and tied. So that's a lot of football games in that 10 year period between 74 and 84. And, you know, that was like, I didn't even know it until after the games, you guys come to me in the locker room. You tied Ohio State record for five touchdowns by a running back. I'm like, I did. <laughs> Wasn't even aware of it because you know winning the game we needed all five. Yeah, oh yeah. Touchdowns. Yeah, it wasn't in a blowout. You yeah, know, such as yesterday or when Pete did it. And so I would, you know, I'm think, thinking about records, but then you know from 1984 to 2022, you know, 38 years. Yeah. A lot of Ohio State football's been played in that time. Yeah. And to still think, man, no one has ever scored, caught five touchdown passes or. Ran five touchdowns, you know, they, we've thrown for five touchdown passes, you know, a few yeah. times, but not actually, you know, scored them by one individual. Uh, so that's, you know, very rare feat. So, you know, next time I see Mayan Williams, I'm going to have to welcome him to the five touchdown club, five rushing touchdown club, yeah. you know, because it is, um, you know, very, you know, rare error. You know, it's only three of us there, Pete Johnson, myself, and now Mayan Williams. And so I'm very, very, you know, excited about Mayan uh joining the club yeah you, know, you yeah you met mayan right i mean you know you know him a little bit right just a little bit yeah. and just briefly i was I, I unfortunately i couldn't get away uh friday night and go to the captain's dinner uh with him uh and i usually eat dinner to, you know class of friday night yeah. before homecoming and unfortunately i had to miss it this year but I, i'll see him over the next coming weeks and shake his hand and give him a big old hug and you know congratulate him you know on uh, accomplishing that feat well, I know you probably watched the game and you've seen Mayan Williams play. What stands out to you about this young man? You know, uh, Travion Henderson is still, I think, even by the coaching staff, considered maybe their, quote, number one back. But, you know, he's having trouble answering the bell on a consistent basis. And, man, I just go back to that Rose Bowl when Mayan Williams got the, got the ball rolling finally for Ohio State in that second quarter. It kind of changed the game. And, all this guy does when they put him in the game is gain yards and run through tackles. I mean, just what's your take on him? Oh, you know, I love it. He, he runs violently. You know, he says from his childhood upbringing, he had to take out that frustration, you know, somewhere and what better place to do it on the football field. I mean, and you know, and I, I love the way he runs. And, you know, two things can be true. You can have two number one running backs. Yeah. You, you know, so with Travion Winston, there's a number one guy. And so is Mayan Williams, you know, the number one guy. So every once in a while you have – you get stockpiled, you know, with talent, whereas they're really equally – you know, that way I think Georgia's had that problem, you know, you know, in the past. Auburn, when they had a, a Cadillac Williams yeah. as a running back. So, you know, so they have – you know, North Carolina had, but um, uh, you know, dual, dual running backs who just both are starter one, starter two, but they're both just, you know, starting – you know, run running backs. You know, in this in this uh, college football, I mean, it can go. I mean, Mayan Williams can go to any college in America and be the starter, just like Travion Henderson can go to any college and and start. But that goes. I can always just hear Earl Bruce's head name in the back of my head. You know, football is the greatest team sport there is. No one 
can have individual success without others. And what better, you know, that you can see Trevion Henderson cheering for mine, all five of those touchdowns and vice versa, yeah. you know, when Trevion is playing and everyone knows that, you know, not only did my aunt, my Williams score a touchdown, but so that offensive line through yeah. a tremendous uh, effort. And you know, we have to single out a guy to talk about him individually, but they are all, you know, uh, you know, the team, you know, is the most important thing about the success that Myron Williams, you know, had in with, in with Trevion. And, you know, so our success, you know, in 2022 is going to be coming down to how well the team plays, not just one individual. Yeah, exactly. By the way, John Woolridge always said, John Woolridge always said, you guys had the top, had the two best running backs in the country back when he was your tandem. I, <laughs> I agree. I, I mean, I, yeah, you know, John I mean, wouldn't let me stay. I, you know, I, I wouldn't let John, I wouldn't stand on the sideline too long. Yeah. John would, I want to make sure they remember that I'm a starter. Because yeah. John was special. John oh, yeah. ran, especially, you know, that game, you know, when I did have the five touchdowns, you know, I almost didn't get the fifth because John Woodridge almost scored. We yeah. were like, almost going back and forth. Who's getting the next carry? I break one for five, John break one for five. I break one for 10, John break one for 15. And, on and on and on in that last drive. And so it just as well could have been John Woolridge who scored that yeah. game winning touchdown other than myself. Yeah, I just wonder how many touchdowns Pete Johnson took away from Archie Griffin. You know what I mean? <laughs> Back in oh the my day gosh. with Woody. Because <laughs> Woody, Woody always went to the robust or whatever. And then Champ Henson, uh, Pete Johnson, whatever. I want to ask you. Yeah, if Archie didn't score from the 10 or out, he wouldn't get the ball yeah, inside the Exactly. 10. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I want to ask you this, though, real quick. Uh, like you, you just touched on it a second ago. You know, in this in these transfer portal days, you know, where you can, if you're not really getting to be the guy, you can transfer somewhere else, like that. You know, you couldn't do that back in your day. Uh, this is no. this is kind of incredible that Ohio State has two, uh, like you said, but because without Travion not being able to answer the bell, they 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 would have been in a world hurt a little bit. I mean that <clears throat> that young freshman Dallin Hayden's really coming on fast too, but. But yes. It, yes. Mayan has Mayan has been sort of in uh, basically valuable, right? The the last couple of weeks. Well, it is, and, and and that's the thing. It's really a delicate balance that the coaches have to do. Once you recruit a guy to come to your school, it's not over. Yeah. You have to recruit him every day to stay at your school, and you know, and that's what the, you know the transfer portal, you know, giving the players the opportunity to transfer. But when you choose a school, choose it to you know for all for more reasons than I mean, number playing time and early you know playing that's of course that's high on the list but that can't be the only reason why you know you choose to come to Ohio State it has to be other factors that make you want to come there and be a part of the success uh, at Ohio State because I know for me even if I had never started and been there I would have still I, I loved everything else that Ohio State you know had to do and had to you know uh, bring forth for me yeah so transferring was never an option for me. I never thought about transferring. Yeah. Now, earlier, see, you said keep because you was a starter. But even if I hadn't started, you know, if I would have used flip flop, me and John Rubich, you know, John Rubich could have transferred also. He, yeah. You know, he had, had a lot of college, but it was about the team and the brotherhood and the fellowship and the alumni and so much more than what goes on 60 minutes on a Saturday afternoon in the fall. And hey, so, yeah. Ohio State has to be bigger than that. Keith, you're an astute football observer uh, because, you know, obviously in the College Football Hall of Fame, should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, you know, in my opinion. Uh, we already maybe touched on day. that. Huh? Yeah. So maybe one day. Yeah, I'm just saying. They got to create that, just like Mitch Rossi, you know, they don't they refuse to call him a fullback 
they call him a tight end, but he's a fullback on this team. You understand what I'm saying? Right. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, you got to figure out a way to have a no more nomenclature, you know, involved. You and I already talked about that. You know, Certainly. I wanted to ask you this. So what, what, real quickly while I've got you, what, what, what do you really like about this offense right now? Obviously the other night, you know, uh, you know, and it's Rutgers and Rutgers had, hadn't played a formidable uh, schedule, although they had played Iowa going into that game and they threw two pick sixes in that game and ended up getting beat, but their defense seemed to be fairly solid and for real. And Ohio State rushes for more than 250, only throws for like one, whatever it was, 150, 170. Yeah, uh, I think it's probably a career low for C.J. Stroud. Yeah. <laughs> Four well, quarters, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it was kind of breezy. He said the breeze didn't have anything to do with it. But what I wanted to ask you is what 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 just stands out to you about this offense at this moment in time, this 2022 offense? Uh, Ryan Day was bound to determine they'd be able to line up and knock people off the block and run the ball again because there were times, as you and I talked about last year, when they couldn't do that on a consistent basis. But what just jumps out to you about this offense five games into this season? Well, well, two things. Number one, they, they, the offense isn't, isn't even up to full strength yet because yeah. you have you played majority of the first five games of the season without Jackson Smith and Jigba yeah. and what he can bring, you know, to the offense. So it, it's not totally up to speed. But what I want to see is for us to win a national championship. One of the things I think we have to do offensively wise is use the same formula that uh, Alabama used when they beat us in the championship game two years ago. You know, that's how good we are offensively. You know, I, and so the first five games, the game we had last week against Wisconsin, that's the game plan that for winning national championships, winning Big Ten championships. You know, they ran the ball effectively. They threw the ball effectively. They yeah. ran the ball outside. They ran the ball inside. They threw the ball long. They threw it short. They threw it medium. You know, choose your weapon. No matter if they were saying that Jim Leonard, his defense coordinator for Wisconsin, you know, he's got to come with an answer. He has no answer. Because yeah. anything you come up with, there's an answer. You know, there's, a, there's a, how they had an answer for it. And yeah. that's what Alabama was like a few years ago when they had the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae, they had uh, Nadja Harris. You yeah. know, they could beat you on the power game. They could beat you on the edge. They could beat you at the short pad. Quick, I mean, and Ohio State had that kind of, had that all kind of offense. But we didn't, you know, we didn't have the running game to match it. Yeah, because Trey Sermon got, got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Trey yeah. got hurt. Right. But we got the running game now and we got the passing game. So no one can stop us. And I, when I say that, no, I really, I really mean it. No one can stop us other than Ohio State stopping ourselves. Drop passes, you know, force, you know, force passes for interceptions, fumbling the football. That's something that you can handle yourself. But when we play, you know, uh, assignment football and that offensive line, they're the unsung heroes of the 2022 season. Yeah. You know, CJ is getting time to throw. They're opening up holes. And as long as that offensive line does do, do you know, have success like that from here on out, we're gonna be tough to beat. I mean, if you can see it in Notre Dame game, we were doing this, that, and the other. Then offense line, I mean, we're averaging like seven yards a crack. Yeah, that's just pounding. And it's not sexy, but it's sexy to me because I love the running game. Yeah. Winning is sexy, and they was able to take control of that game. And and, and so, Ben, you don't worry about stats. You know, that's how you also win the Heisman Trophy. Those, you know, CJ doesn't have to go out and throw three or four touchdowns, you know, a Saturday to win the Heisman Trophy. Winning is the winning the Heisman Trophy. That's how Tim Tebow, you know, won the Heisman Trophy by winning. That's what was really Bryce Young's secret success last year was winning and, you know, distributing the football. You don't worry about what the numbers are, whether he ran for 300 yards or not. Uh, that's very important. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you, is there somebody on that offensive line who's really caught your eye? 
Maybe you don't know the name, but you might know the number. I mean, uh, you know, a guy that, boy, just keeps jumping out to me is number 74, that Donovan Jackson, left guard, seems to really, I mean, really gets out on the edge quick. I mean, uh, pretty – I mean, I think they're all five playing extremely well. But there's a guy, you know, a sophomore starting uh, really for the first time at a full-time basis. And, uh, you know, he was a five-star coming out of Katy, Texas, you know, two years ago and stuff. And there's a guy that's really caught my eye. Is there one of those guys that's really – or is there somebody else on that office like Kate? Really, Stanford? you could just just pick pick one. Yeah, pick one of the five offense. I mean, both tackles are I mean, Paris Johnson. Play, both tackles are playing at a high level. Yeah, I mean, and when you see them line up, you know, five across the board, and you forget about the center, Luke Whipler. Yeah, and Luke is you know what he is six four three 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 hundred plus, and he looks like a smaller guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, standing next to those behemoths. And I mean, so really, but the offensive line, I always remember my high school football coach used to always tell us, nobody loves the offensive linemen except their mothers and the head coach. Yeah. All that love is conditional. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. that is the closest unit on the football team is that offensive line. And they are, you know, proving it themselves and they're, you know, uh, showing the toughness that we know they're capable of doing. And that's what they, one of their offseason goals was that, you know, to, to do that. And, it's up to Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson to let those guys take over games. You know, especially, you know, we're going to, we haven't even had no weather games yet. There's going to be some games that knock on wood that uh, it's going to be like Penn State played yesterday in a driving rain and wind. That's going to happen. And then your running game, you just can't throw the ball 35, 40 times a game in that, in that weather. So you got to, you rely on those offensive linemen where everybody in the stadium knows we're going to run it and you run the ball and have great success anyway. That takes the win out of a defense that sells quick, fast, in a hurry. All right, last thing, last question. What about this new defense, the Jim Knowles defense, uh, 4-2-5, but mainly, you know, I'm, there's not a lot of gimmick involved with it. It's 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 really aggressive. Aggression is what it's all about and stuff. But, yeah, what, what has just stood out to you in the first five games about the defense? Does it look revitalized? It does. It, it, it does. I mean, the last two years watching Ohio State defense was not very exciting. It was like watching paint dry. It wasn't exciting at all. You kind of like, who else in the country runs what we run? Nobody. Yeah. And that's why we're giving up big plays like that. And now it's not a read and react defense. It's a, you know, make that quarterback think defense, make her, you know, make the receiver. They don't know what coverages we're doing. I think they're doing an excellent job of mixing up the coverages between man and zone. Uh, they're more attacking, you know, but we've been we're being at, at cornerback also. Yeah. yeah, a lot of injuries at that. And so uh, one improvement, we got to get better on the 50-50 balls. You know, the 50-50 balls are almost like 75-25. Their offenses are making plays against our corners out there on the island, so they have to be more aware of, you know, letting that alarm clock go off in your head. Turn around, look for the ball. Yeah. You're doing a good job of coverage. Now finish the playoff. Yeah. And, you know, uh, hopefully that'll come over the next couple of weeks because they're right there. The play can be made, but we're just coming up a little short. But I think Jim knows and his uh, defensive staff is, you know, the coordinator, I mean, the, uh, the, the line linebacker coach, the D line, of course, Larry Johnson and the safeties coach. They are doing a really good job. And you can just see in the faces of the players, you know, how they do enjoy playing defense. Now we like we can get a three and out, yeah. you know, we can get a fumble, We you know, and that's. Starting, you know, you're starting to see, you know, our confidence. I mean, uh, still Chambers played his best game of his, of his Ohio State career, you know, yesterday. We've got yeah. to see more of that. Tommy Eichenberger, 
he looks like a different guy from last year. Like, I, I don't recognize the linebacker that wore number 35 last year compared to the one that's wearing 35 this year. Yeah. He's playing at a much better level. Yeah. Matt Wilhelm wore, wore 35 on that 2002 National Championship game, and he's so proud of the fact of seeing that 35 run around and hit people again. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, right. Yeah. Not, nothing beats that. And they, your jersey, I mean, they, they keep using that thing for this, uh, you know, quasi line, offensive lineman playing a tight end. You've seen that, right? I've seen that wide 41. I'm like, that's not supposed to be that wide. But yeah. Proctor's making up for it on the other side of the ball. Yeah. At least yeah. he's hitting some people with it. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Keep your eye on that guy because he finally feels good again, and uh, he's one of the yes. greats. Keith Byers, once again, man, thank you for joining the Tim May Podcast, man. It's always a blast. I'll see you again next time. You got, I got to keep your legend alive, my friend. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I appreciate it, Tim. I really do. <laughs> Have a good, good evening. Thanks, right. Keith. Yeah, I thought Keith Byers hit a lot of nails on the head in that conversation, not the least of which is, boy, teams these days when they face Ohio State in this offense, they almost have to pick their poison. What are you going to take away? Because there's no better balanced uh, power five team in the country right now offensively than Ohio State. It can throw the ball over you, through you, around you, and it can, as it proved with Mayan Williams, uh, one of its pair and a spare running backs it can it can rip you it can rip your heart out with a power running game that's been uh, rejuvenated now with Justin Fry as the new offensive line coach and speaking of uh ripping people's hearts out uh Ohio State plans to do that at Michigan State this week and boy does Michigan State look ripe for that picking that's why I uh, have had this little conversation with my good longtime friend long long time friend Decades, uh, we measure our friendship in decades. Uh, Jack Ebling, uh, just to kind of give us a lay of the land of what's going on at Michigan State, and then he and I, we also talked about what's going on in the Big Ten and around the country to a certain extent. Uh, but really, what's going on in the Big Ten, the Big Ten West, etc. The the firing of Paul Christ, uh, Wisconsin's head football coach, uh, and a lot of other subjects. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Jack Ebling. Oh, my goodness. It's always a pleasure to welcome back uh, one of my great friends out there in the media world, Jack Ebling. Welcome back to the Tim May Podcast, my man. Hello, Tim May. Hey, uh, are you in a bunker? Uh, where are you sitting right now? Because, man, the salvos being thrown at Mel Tucker, there has to be, if, if it's like Russian missiles, they're probably missing their mark and scattered all over East Lansing. But, my goodness, man, what, they're 92nd in the country and is it total defense or is that total offense and 100 and either total offense or total defense? Jack, this is a team that what won 10 games last year, right? 11. And, uh, huh? 11 and two. Yeah. Well, it means they won one of 10. the two teams in the so, country, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. That beat hey, so two power right. five conference champions. Yeah. What, what's going on up there? And how's, how's my man Mel Tucker handling it? Your man I know Mel like three. right now is uh, taking some slings and arrows. I'll tell you, yeah. three weeks ago, uh, everyone was talking about how he was going to be the next great coach and how he'd got everything turned around here. And that contract he signed was the best investment Michigan State ever made. Uh, you went around today, you'd find some people who said it's not worth the paper it's written on. Wow. Well, I know one thing. It probably is because it's probably worth about 90 90 million dollars would that be a what would be left of it and you know and you no see what's going to the rumor he's going into business with Paul Christ yeah yeah 
and uh, Jimbo Fisher will be a consultant uh, eventually. No, it Jack is it, it's it's kind of odd, but you know everybody's going well. He doesn't have Kenneth Walker Jr. anymore. Well, they lost more than Kenneth Walker Jr. Yeah. But what what really you know from your vantage point? I mean, you know you're you're on top. As a matter of fact, give people a little bit of insight. You know, you and I have known each other for 45, 40, 45 years. Yeah. You've been in the business for 50 years, first as a as a well-known uh, award-winning sports writer and then as a, a well-known award-winning radio host there in the, uh, in the I, I call it Central Michigan area. Yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, Mount Pleasant. I'm talking about Central part of Michigan. Uh, it means they couldn't get rid of me. They've been yeah. trying. They but I mean, you know, you, you, you're, you're excellent. You're always excellent at everything you do. You give great insight. I mean, you know, you've run the gamut from uh magic, uh, magic Johnson all the way to now Mel Tucker, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then even before that, but, uh, 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 just, you know, obviously Ohio state's coming there this weekend. Huh. It's going to be a prohibitive favorite. It looks like. And, uh, you know, we were all remember, it's almost like the beginning of the end of this, uh, of this uh, Michigan state glistening in the, in the sunset kind of started with that Ohio state game a year ago, didn't it? I mean, well, that was the first time that, uh, you know, th things were not all uh, yeah. la la land because it was 49, nothing at the half. If you yeah. remember. Yeah. And if Ohio state had kept playing, they might've been, been able to touch six figures that they promised they'd put on Harbaugh. So yeah. Half, uh, yeah. It, yeah. It was bad, but then Michigan state came back. And uh, they beat Penn State. That's right. And they got the New Year's Six Bowl bid, and uh, they beat the ACC champion Pitt. And, uh, you know, people went in thinking, okay, well, there's life after Kenneth Walker. They got two more transfers. They'll get something else. And the season started off. They got outscored opponents 87 to 13. They're ranked 11th yeah. in the AP poll. They're ranked ninth in the coaches poll. They're ranked ninth in the Football Writers Association Super 16. And then all hell broke loose. And uh, they wound up losing three in a row and really haven't uh, distinguished themselves in any area in any of those three games. And one of the things that happened, Tim, and you know, this is not an excuse, it's just a little bit of an explanation. The injuries are part of the game. But when you're Michigan State, and you lose five defensive starters. Yeah. That's a little different than being Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, you know, and you lose five defensive starters. You got five guys behind them who are almost as good. Yeah. Michigan State, you don't have that. So when you lose your best defensive back, your best linebacker, and your best D lineman, you notice it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what about offensively? What's 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 happened? Uh, Jaden Reed, who was their best offensive player a year ago, special team star, probably won three games for him, uh, got pushed uh, out of bounds against Akron. He slid into the bench, and the end of the bench cut his back. I don't know. We've never been able to figure out whether it was just a, a gaping flesh wound yeah. or it got some sort of a nerve there. Yeah. yeah. But he was limping around for a couple of weeks because of that. Just came back. Caught six passes Saturday, but not for any significant yardage. Peyton Thorne seems to have regressed a little bit with that. Uh, the offensive line, they have four new starters on the offensive line. Again, Kenneth Walker III is with the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and so th they've struggled. But one of the one of the things is the defense has not been able to get off the field and give them the ball. Yeah, they might be last in Power Five schools in time of possession, and uh, Ohio State might have less time of possession this week because their scoring drives are going to be about forty five seconds. Yeah, yeah, wow. Uh, so getting back to you know the the fans, the yeah. media, yeah, the critics from all over the country. They don't want to hear about the injury part, right? They just no, want to know no, no. what happened. And then when you explain what happened to them, uh, what's happened to uh, to uh, Michigan State in, in factual terms, that doesn't suffice, right? <laughs> right. So, well, you ought to have reserves who are capable of going in and playing. You yeah. Know? It's like everybody who is a sports fan must be perfect in their jobs. Yeah. I don't know that many people who go into a dentist's office and try to tell the guy how to pull a tooth, but anybody can coach football. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the thing is, it's not like they hadn't done it. They just did it. They didn't beat Ohio state, but they did beat Michigan for a second straight year. Yep. They've beaten the Wolverines 10 out of 14, including five out of seven in Ann Arbor. So it's not like, you know, that they haven't done it. But right now, you would not recognize this team, how inept it is. They got a great punter, I'll tell you that. And he he gets a lot of work. He's got a bruised instep. <laughs> hey, does he run like Jesse Murko runs for Ohio State? You heard about that, right? He, saw green, he saw green passers, took off running. Next thing you know, uh, Greg Shiano's over pointing fingers at uh, Ryan Day, and Ryan Day's back pointing back at him and uh, – Wow. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. It was it was crazy. Uh, you know, well, basically the Michigan State guy popped uh Jesse Murko, the Ohio State punter, popped him well out of bounds, right in the Ohio yeah. State bench. The Rutgers guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Crookshank. And uh and the next thing you know, they're any everybody's in each other's faces and Seattle came all the way across the field to kind of help break it up. And next thing you know, he and Ryan Day are going at it. Now they made up, you know. What and, kind of and, relationship did they have when they were at Ohio State? Well, Ryan, Ryan Day's always respected him, but if you remember correctly, and I know you don't, you know, keep that close tabs on Ohio State. When when Ryan Day took over for for Urban Meyer uh, going into 2019, one of the first guys he hired was Jeff Halfley as the defensive coordinator away from the San Francisco 49ers, and basically bid adieu to Greg Schiano because things didn't go that well defensively at all in 2018, and and then boom. Ohio State turned it around in 19, just like they've done this year by mm -hmm. bringing in a new defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, Jim Knowles is doing a hell of a job, man. I mean, yeah. there there is a – anybody tells you that all coaches are created equal, well, no. you know, as you as you well know, and I'm not talking about you, but the you as yeah. in the universe, yeah. uh, no, they're not. You know, schemes are not always uh, created equal. You know, There's a big difference between this Ohio State defense and the one I saw on the field against Michigan. They're playing extremely aggressive. Uh, yeah. They they're playing with confidence. Almost everybody who's playing now played last year, and last year that a lot of them were brand new to the job. You know, Jim Knowles is the first to uh, recognize that he was handed a little bit of a pot of gold when it comes to talent, yeah. and of guys who were hungry because of what happened last year, and of guys. Uh, who have pl who played a lot last year. And, you know, you always pay a price with brand-new guys. Uh, but when you put brand-new guys in a, in a crappy scheme, you get what you got from Ohio State last year. 
in several games, uh, the two of which mattered the most, the Oregon game and the uh, Michigan game. Uh, but this year they're not, you know, yeah, I, see, you're going to disagree with me probably, but I think Greg Schiano is trying to build Rutgers in the right way. And one of yeah. the things is he has yeah. a solid approach, solid approach to defense. Yeah. Uh, but Ohio State ran right, you know, tore them up just like they tore up Wisconsin the week before. And uh, when well, you've got just, everybody who, who yeah. haven't been torn up, dude, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm telling everybody, this is, this, this is going to be, I think the best offense I've seen, ever seen. I have seen at Ohio state covering them for 40, 40 years. Basically. Should I be ranking them uh, number one in the AP poll? Uh, here, I would, I mean, I think they have as much of an argument for it as Alabama or Georgia. I mean, Georgia, you know, I mean, I can't believe Kirby Smart says that about the SEC. You know, it's a tough – well, the week before he played Kent State, so it's tough in the MAC too, yeah. I guess. You know, you saw how Kent State gave him a game. Yeah. I mean, that was a real good game. Hey, Meanwhile – Georgia was lucky to win. The poll – exactly. Sure. The poll voters can't get off – you know, once they demote Ohio State, it's very hard for Ohio State to then remote. Is that the correct uh, term? I put Ohio State ahead of Georgia this week. Yeah, I would too. And uh, Alabama, you know, the big question is Bryce Young got hurt. How hurt is he? Uh, how how is he going to be affected? It was his shoulder, you know. And uh, but uh, hey, let's let's talk about something more specific though <laughs> about the Big Ten. Yeah, because uh, I think you've already covered it for Michigan State and what's up. Did you ex- before we get to that? Do you expect a game this week? I mean, they're going to play the game. Can Michigan State muster? You know, can they can he make it an Alamo situation? No. <laughs> No, you know, tough, tough to take the Alamo, but the, the Alamo finally got taken. Go ahead. No, this is uh, as big a spread as Michigan State has ever faced at home. Uh, wow. I think it's what 25 points, yeah. 24 and a half points, something like that. Something like that. I think they were 25 and a half points one year. Uh, but this is going to be very difficult unless uh, Ohio State has to go 200 yards to score. Yeah, yeah, and even then, you know, last year. The only reason that C.J. Stroud didn't have 1,500 yards passing was the end zone got in the way. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. I don't know if Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be ready this week. Uh, I would I would think it probably still might be doubtful. Uh, yeah. But I, All right. I, keep, I keep telling everybody, if you were to start over ranking players, you know, in the country, uh, yeah. having no knowledge of what happened last year, and you looked – and you look, who are the elite receivers in the country? Two of the five would be Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. The depth in that room is so real. And then Julian Fleming's coming on, former five-star, who's been banged up the first two years. So it's amazing what Ohio State has put together in a talent well. Now let's get to it. You're, you're an athletic director. You're a president of a university. Do you fire your football coach? In Scott Frost's case, in the middle of September – or in Paul Chris' sake at Wisconsin the first week of October, do you do that? What does it do for you? It didn't do much for Nebraska in terms of money. It cost them $7.5 million to do it that way. And the last time I looked at money still spends. So, you know, that's a lot of tractors parked outside Memorial Stadium. I, I would think that you're not going to get that big a jump on the coaching candidates' For next year, if you want to be at the head of the line, 
that you could wait. You could let Scott Frost do what he's going to do. And it's not changed anything. So uh, I don't think that that was a smart business decision for Trev Alberts. And uh, I don't know what Barry was thinking or what Wisconsin was thinking. Uh, you know, people there now who are running the show, uh, maybe they don't remember what Paul Chris did for Wisconsin. Yeah. I think that they got their tit in the ringer, that they got embarrassed by Ohio State. And then when Brett Bielema yeah. came to town and laid one on him and he had that smirk on his face, you know, using, oh, yeah. You know, oh, they didn't like that one at all. Yeah. So, you know, and when he left, he said, hey, you know, you got to treat me like the other coaches, top coaches. You got to pay me. You got to give me this and give me that and give me this. And Alvarez says, uh, that's not what we're doing here. This is the job. Take it or leave it. And he left it. Yeah. But he came back and uh, he got some dessert la last night. Yeah. He got some dessert with uh, with a uh, 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 hot fudge uh, uh, topping. Bottom line is, uh, like you, I had this, not an argument. I discussed this with Urban Meyer. I do this thing with Urban Meyer, but we call yeah. Urban's take. We didn't get to do yeah. it last week. Cause he was worried about his house getting blown away <laughs> and not funny. Ha ha, but hurricane Ian, it was, it was the real deal as you well know. But, uh, yeah. but, but the bottom line was I go, I, I don't understand it for the, exactly what you just said. You're, you're a coach. You're really going to go for, uh, you know, a, a sitting head coach. If, if he's the guy you're going for, he's going to be coaching at least into December. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Unless you go, you know, and swing swing for the fences and go for some big time uh, coordinator somewhere, but why would you do that? You know, I mean, uh, what you know, with a big time Power Five conference team, you should be trying to get the best guy you can get who's already proven himself as a head coach. I think you agree on that, right? Yeah. Hey, we see it all over the country now. Yeah. Tom Izzo said, "Be careful what you wish for with yeah. these big contracts." Yeah. People are going to say, "You know what? We'll buy him out, and we'll get the next guy in here." Because this isn't satisfactory. Look at Herm Edwards at Arizona State. The only possible rationale I can see for it, Tim, and you would know this better than I would because you do a podcast with them. Unless someone said, we're going to get at the front of the line for Urban Meyer. Yeah. We don't want to wait until somebody else comes in at the end of the year. We want to get this thing nailed down, locked down. But I, I can't see him going to Lincoln. Nope. No, nope. maybe, maybe Tempe. I don't know. What maybe, do you but I'm telling you, man, uh, I know Urban pretty well. And I'll tell you that the two things that uh, would make him shy away from trying this again. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. we all know what happened in Jacksonville yeah. and elsewhere last year. Uh, but uh, the two things is number one, the transfer portal. And yeah. number two, the NIL, the name, image and likeness thing, because, you know, uh, that's just less control in some respects for head coaches now. It's mm -hmm. crazy, as you well know. You know, you watched uh, Mel Tucker just rebuild that team last sure. year sure. in the transfer portal area. I thought he, like I said, I thought he should have written a book on how you transform a team in one year because yeah. it was, yeah, everybody's, everybody's shooting darts at him right now because he's a $95 million man. But what he did last year was remarkable. I mean, yeah, that was no remarkable. question. No question. And uh, and that's what you've got to do now 
if you take over a program, you've got to be willing to do that because you're taking over a program for may, usually a reason. A big reason is they've fallen behind. They've diminished. When I look at Paul Christ and, and Wisconsin, I see a diminish, a diminishing program right there right now from the standpoint of uh, the offensive line is not what you think of when you think of Wisconsin football. Defensively, you know, Jim Leonard's taken over as the interim head coach, I guess. But golly, huh? They had no clue about stopping Ohio State two weeks ago. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's the defensive side. So uh, you do – if you see something really sliding, you you do almost are obligated as an AD and administration to step in and make a move. I just don't think middle of the year is the when you make right. that move. Right. But right. you let the guy know what's up. Uh, but also yeah. the same thing at Nebraska. Dude, the sellout streak there is stupid how cool it is. Yeah. I mean, those people literally they deserve better. I mean, yeah. those fans no question deserve better, right? So absolutely. Let me ask you this: Forget about Urban Meyer now. Who 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 should Nebraska? Who do you think Nebraska ends up with? The the young man from Kansas, the young man from Kansas State. Actually, young man from Kansas isn't that young. The Wisconsin former Wisconsin Whitewater guy who, mm -hmm. who then went on to Buffalo and then took that job. But uh, that's like you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, who, I think Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman yeah. are both tremendous coaches and they proved it Agreed. over time. You know, but uh, I think there are coaches out there. I think Kalen DeBoer at Washington has yeah. won wherever he's been. He's he's going to be a very good coach there. Yeah. They lost the other night at UCLA, but that's another team that's done some amazing things through the portal. Yeah. I would think that if you had the right situation uh, and the right coach now coming in, uh, the immediate transfer rule in the portal would make it easier. Oh, yeah. Because if a guy comes in, he doesn't have to wait to recruit high school guys and let them develop. Look what happened with Lincoln Riley. Yes. He goes to USC, says, who's the best quarterback out there? Oh, yeah. Caleb Williams. Yeah. Come here. Who's the best receiver? Well, let's get the Bolitnikoff Award winner. Yeah. Jordan Addison. Come here. You know, that's the only reason they won the other night. I know. That's exactly it. <laughs> and that's the, that's the point. You've got to, you've got to, got you're bound, you're now obligated. I'm stammering here. You're obligated as an athletic director to see who is grasped. Yeah. G R A S P E D. It's hard for me to say. You're a broadcaster. Grasped this hey, new, excellent, excellent, this new era of college football, which is yeah. transfer portal and name, image, and likeness. Who can rally, who can not forget about rallying the troops, who can rally the collectives? You know what I mean? Uh, there are all these things that are coming into play now. You've got to get that modern guy. I mean, Ohio State, Ryan Day, man, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's an advocate for a lot of this stuff, but if that's the new rules of the game, you jump into it with both feet. You know, yeah. you, 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 you harness the strength that is Ohio State, which is in, the, in this huge metro area with, with big companies around, et cetera. And uh, it's unique, really, because it's the only big game in town. You know, I'm talking about from a football standpoint, and uh, and you know, they're obviously they have the NHL Blue Jackets, but you there's you rally what's at what's at what what's what's your uh, what's what's in your ballywick there, and you go for it, and uh, so yeah, I, I just think it's really interesting who athletic directors now going to hire, how much are they going to take that into account? Well, what's this guy done? Obviously, Kansas has gotten after it in that regard. Yeah. So is Kansas State, dude. Can you believe this? Adrian Martinez beat Oklahoma two weeks ago. Great. And then TCU turns around and kills Oklahoma. 
the Brent Venables, you talking about the uh, I mean, we're seeing a lot of roses just wither on the vine in the last three weeks, right? Yes. Not just Mel Tucker. Jimbo Fisher is under big trouble. So last thing I wanted to ask you, that's what I wanted to ask you. Do colleges, do these major football programs and colleges, do they have too much access to money now, big time money now to like just go, okay, we're going to give you seven and a half million or whatever, Scott Frost, not the coach anymore. Uh, Paul Christ is going to get a buyout, you know, some interesting settlement. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, they're stuck with him. Yeah. Uh, or, or else they owe him $95 million or something in that regard. Uh, do, do colleges have almost too much money? Absolutely. Too big huh? to fail. It's like uh, yeah. uh, what we saw on Wall Street. But when you think about uh, Nick Saban, always talking about rat poison. Yeah. Him, you know, he was talking about the media yeah. and publicity and reading yeah. your press clippings. But there's also rat poison out there in terms of money because doesn't come free. There are always strings attached. Yes. And it's kind of unintended consequences. Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Yeah. So for some of these schools, look, Ohio State is blessed. And it would succeed whatever the rules were. As long as everybody played by the rules, you can have portal, you can have no portal. You can have NIL, no, whatever it is, Ohio State will be successful, should be successful. It's hard to lose there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would say the same thing about Alabama. I'd say the same thing about Georgia. I would say the same thing about Texas, but somehow they managed to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say the same thing about USC. Now yeah. there are some other programs that they're pretty good. I mean, they're, they're have a lots, but they're not have it all. Yeah. Yeah. But just think about the, all the coaches have been through a couple of those you just pointed well, out yeah. in, the last, in the last decade and a half. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, that's why, you know, Michigan State, I mean, you know, like you said, Mel Tucker had, did a great job last year, having fallen on hard times here because of injuries, et cetera. But you stick it out. I think this guy, I've been on your show so many times yeah. talking about him. I really think he's the real deal. And we'll see from there. Hey, last question before you go, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're taping this late at night. If people knew, knew how late, they'd be going, boy, these guys are troopers. And they look old, uh, but they're troopers, right? Right, Jack? We look a lot better early in the morning. Yeah, we do. Yeah. You ought to see me early in the morning. It's pretty, it's pretty scary. My hair is... Anyway, uh, this is my last question for you, and I want a one-word answer. Okay? Yeah. Who wins the Big Ten West? Go. Purdue. I said in the summer, Tim, that Wisconsin yeah. was going to be a big disappointment. Iowa had no offense and a horrendous quarterback. And the winner of the Minnesota-Purdue game would win the West. And I yes, thought that would be Minnesota. But then I look at Muhammad Ibrahim, and you know how he runs. You saw that a year ago. Yeah. When he's standing there not playing, I said, whoa, we got a different game now. And Minnesota made every mistake possible. If they played seven times, I still think Minnesota would win four or five. But they didn't win that night. And now Purdue – has already played its only tough crossover team. Yep. Lost in the last seconds to Penn State. Yep. Doesn't have to play Ohio State. Doesn't have to play Michigan. Doesn't even have to play Michigan State. Yeah. So uh, they are in great shape. They've already played Minnesota. Got to win there. So they would have to lose twice the rest yeah. of the way. Yeah. And I don't see Illinois, Wisconsin, and uh, Illinois, two of those three beating them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool when you're built in crossover games within the one of them is with Indiana, right? Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Jack Ebling, man, always a pleasure. Appreciate you. You're a wealth Anytime. of knowledge. And I'm gonna have we're we're gonna get together again a couple more times here during this Big Ten season just to see how your prediction is coming along. Give me one, give me one quick thing. What's what you got a score for Saturday yet, or are you still formulating? Uh I'm still formulating, but I'm I'm somewhere in the range of 59 to 10. Uh, dude, I hate to tell you this, but that is a distinct possibility. Well, last year was 56 to 7. Yeah. And but I think a, uh, that was a better be a Michigan State offense. team, right? Go ahead. I'm sorry. What? 59-10. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Ebling. Jack Ebling, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast again, my man. You got it. Boy, always appreciate uh, speaking with Jack Ebling. I'm a guest on his radio show from time to time too. Uh, you know, you could put us in a room and put a microphone between us and we'd probably still be talking 24 hours later. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, we, <laughs> we recorded that, that portion of the podcast around midnight uh, this week on a day this week. Uh, but I digress. Bottom line, I appreciate uh, Keith Byers as, as usual coming on for another guest appearance on my podcast and Jack Ebling. And, you know, we'll, we'll be back uh, but the same time next week, and we'll be looking at the national landscape again. You know, uh, how does Alabama do with Bryce Young on the shelf? Obviously, um, they re Alabama rebounded pretty quickly in that game the other day at Arkansas, a team that's supposed to give them a great test and got the job done. We'll see if that can continue with this gauntlet Alabama's running. Uh, but then more specifically, what's what, what is Ohio State going to do in this last game before a well-deserved uh, – off week because they've been going at it pretty strong or it's been going at it pretty strong with five straight home games. Only the third time the team's ever done that. Uh, they take this show on the road. Now, how will Ohio state play on the road? We'll review that and, uh, and look forward to some other things, but uh, until next week for all my guests and for myself, we'll see you then.